live on these Sunday evenings as we have been looking at the walk of the Spirit. The sixth message in the series is titled The Walk of Goodness. Galatians 5, 22, 23, and 25, and then Mrs. Cole will lead us in the reading of some other verses that relate to our theme tonight. So keep your Bible ready. Galatians 5, 22, 23, and 25. Would you read aloud with me, please, these three verses again tonight? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You believe that? The fruit of the Spirit is goodness. I wonder if you know what goodness is, what the walk of goodness really implies. Do you have this fruit growing on the limbs of your life? We will discover whether or not you do. Let us take a look at some scriptures that I think speak to this subject very graphically. If you are a note-taker, jot the reference down and study it more fully when you have time. Paul writes in Romans 15, verse 14, listen carefully, pick out this subject that is before us tonight as my wife reads. Romans 15, 14. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. When Paul said to the Romans, ye are full of goodness, I wonder what he really meant. What did he have in mind? What is the mark of goodness? They had it. We'll see. Ephesians 5, verse 9, Ephesians 5, Paul writing to the Ephesian believers in verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. If you manifest goodness, then that is definitely a fruit of the Spirit because it evidently doesn't come from any other source. All right? Colossians 1, verse 10. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We have a little indication in Colossians 1:10 what the word means when he says walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Keep that scripture, please, in mind. Paul refers to this again in 2 Timothy 2, verse 21. Listen. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, 
and prepared unto every good work. There's that statement again, unto every good work. It was in Colossians 1.10 also. Prepared unto every good work. Another in Titus chapter 3, verse number 1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. Same statement again. Be prepared, be ready to every good work. And finally, in Ephesians chapter 6, Verses 5 through 9, this whole section in Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Turn to it if you can and follow along. Ephesians 6, verse 5 through 9. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, Neither is there respect of persons with him. Thank you, dear. I'll be talking to you later. Okay? Before you close your Bible from Ephesians 6, please notice verse 7. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. The walk of goodness. What does the word goodness mean? If you were to write down a brief description of the word, definition of the word, I wonder what you would write. Well, the dictionary says goodness is the quality or state of being good. Or... It is, and I like this, in three words, actively being good. That is the dictionary definition of goodness, actively being good. Now, in the book of Acts, there is a portrait of a good man, and that's what we're going to look at tonight to see if we're good. If we are engaging in the walk of goodness. We are all endeavoring to manifest these nine fruits of the Spirit. So we want to check up tonight to see if we are manifesting number six. We have an example in the book of Acts. Chapter 11, verse 24, it actually says of a man that he was a good man. No greater tribute could be paid to a person than that. Acts 11.24, he was a good man. The man's name was Barnabas. Read the account of Barnabas being sent from Jerusalem to Antioch because he was a good man 
and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Now, here is the test. Whether or not you are a good person, if you are engaging in the walk of goodness. And they all come from the life of this man who is testified in the Scripture as being a good man. First of all, he was liberal. Isn't that a terrible place to start? He was liberal. Acts 4, verses 36 and 37. All of this is taken right out of his life. This is why he was called a good man. Look at the verses, Acts 4, 36 and 37. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. He was liberal. If I could put it in another way, I would simply say this good man was sympathetic towards the work of God. You never had to beg him to be involved in the building programs of his church or in the mission's outreach of his church. Liberality was a trademark of Joseph, who was surnamed Barnabas. He had land, and he sold it and laid the money at the apostles' feet. Now, friends, I want to say something about this matter of liberality tonight. In a day when there are many messages about prospering, Liberality and prosperity are not twins. And I want you to hear this very well from your pastor tonight. Liberality and prosperity are not twins. My discovery, and I think history would back this up, often as wealth increases, liberality is starved out. We are not talking about a wealthy man necessarily when we're talking about Barnabas. We're talking merely about a liberal man. The rich give far less many times than the poor in proportion to their means or in proportion to their ability. It is not the wealthy that make a church like this go. It is everybody doing what God has given them to do, paying their tithes, giving their offerings as God has prospered them. We do not depend on the wealth of the rich to make this church go. Now, it's wonderful if they want to be a part of it. I'm not against it. Please understand that. Not at all. I'm all for it. But it has been my sad discovery that it is not the wealthy that really promote God's work in general. There are exceptions to every rule, and I'm glad when we come across those exceptions. 
But the Bible teaches us that every man should lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. So whether we have little or whether we have much, the word that we're using tonight as the mark of a good man fits everybody, and it's the word liberal. He was a liberal soul. He gave out of what he had liberally, and it was a mark of the Spirit's work in his life. It's kind of like the woman with the two mites. She gave all that she had. wasn't a whole lot, two pennies, but it was everything she had, and her name went down as a memorial because she was liberal in her attitude toward the things of God. One exception to this rule was a man by the name of William. He left home at the age of 16 because his father was poor. This man has touched, I'm sure, everyone in this building tonight in some way, and I'll tell you his last name in a few moments. Left home at the age of 16 because his father was poor. A friend and captain of a boat saw him trudging along and talked with him. This friend said to William, at the age of 16, be a good man, give your heart to Christ, give the Lord all that belongs to him of every dollar you earn, make an honest soap, give a full pound, and I am certain you will yet be a great, good, and rich man. This young man by the name of William was lonesome in the city where he was, but he remembered the words of Jesus in Matthew 6:33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. As he studied his Bible, he found that the Jews were commanded to give one-tenth of all of their income to the Lord. So he said, if the Lord will take one-tenth, I will give that, and he did. Having regular employment, he soon became a partner in the firm, and after a few years, his partners died, and William became the sole owner of this business. He made an honest soap, gave a full pound, and instructed his bookkeeper to open an account with the Lord and carry one-tenth of all his income to that account. He prospered more than ever. William gave 20% and prospered more than ever. Then he gave 30% and then 40% and then 50% of all of his income. His business grew. His family was blessed. His soap sold. He educated his family, settled all his plans for life, and gave, finally, all his income to the Lord. He prospered more than ever. It is the, stu the true story of William Colgate. You have used his product. He gave literally millions of dollars to the Lord's cause and left a name that will never die. That, my friend, is goodness. 
That is the walk of goodness. When you get bigger and bigger and better and better, you're still the same as when you were little. That is goodness. Barnabas was that kind of a man. He was a good man. And in Acts 4, you get the first hint of why he was thus known. Because of his liberality to the cause of Christ having land, he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. In the ninth chapter of Acts, you'll get the second clue of what it means to be a good man. He was broad-minded. Here is what the Scripture says, verses 26 and 27. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Now here is a fantastic picture Catch it tonight. The older Christians were suspicious of this converted Pharisee. They were narrow in their vision. They were all locked in to their traditions. Perhaps they thought this man called Saul of Tarsus had pretended a conversion. Maybe he was faking it to get secrets out of the church. That's it. That's why he is now being called a Christian. And they locked him out. They would not fellowship with him. He essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas with the generosity of an unsuspicious nature. This good man threw his arms around this new brother and kept the missionary door open for this new apostle to the church. It's amazing to me how we have in the church so often what I call the gift of suspicion. We are suspicious of people's testimonies. We're suspicious of, of their intent. We have the tendency to say, I wonder what he's after anyway. Oh, it sounds good, but... And we keep people at an arm's length. Now, Christians often suspect too long. The example of Jesus is important to us here. To the very worst sinner... Jesus was prompt to give the hand of hope and the hand of help. He, too, walked in goodness. He shielded these new converts from the pointed finger and said, Go and sin no more. I do not condemn you. Friends, I think it's time for the church when people are willing to say, I have received Christ into my heart, I have taken him as my Lord and Savior. 
to stop holding suspicion over their heads and say, well, brother, sister, my arm is around you. We now walk together in the faith. Hallelujah. He was broad-minded. We say, has he quit smoking yet? I think I smelled tobacco. Has he apologized yet? Has he this or has he that? Can you imagine what might have happened to this new convert by the name of Saul if there hadn't been a Barnabas around? Barnabas took Saul by the hand and showed him the same kindness that the master first gave to the church. And the result was in verse 30 of Acts 9. The brethren brought him down to Caesarea. They finally believed in him because there was one man in the whole company called the church that believed in the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. He was a good man because he was broad-minded and was able to throw his arms around a brother who had rocked the wrong way and who had decided to walk the right way and believed in him when nobody else believed in him. We need that mark of goodness today. It stoops to where a man is. It doesn't say, come up to where I am and then we can walk together. Come up to where I am and then I will put my arms around you. It stoops down to where a man is. And Barnabas did that. And Saul, who was the suspicioned one, became Paul, the mightiest apostle the church has ever known. Glory to God. That's what it means to walk in goodness, just to be Christ's servant, out there ready to love, out there ready to strengthen. But you say, well, what if Saul had not followed through? So what? Barnabas still did the right thing. Barnabas was absolutely correct by throwing his arms around that man, giving him his hand and saying, Brother Saul, if you testify of it, I believe it. Let's go. Let's take the world for Christ. He was broad-minded. And God used him to lift up a brother who was to become a mighty worker for God when he needed a hand the most. That's the mark of goodness. Are you a good person? Acts 11, number three, he was a man of great influence. Acts 11, 23 to 26. It is apparent that Barnabas had the gift of exhortation. Because of his goodness, his words were with power and anointing. Now, some men's words leave a wake behind them. But in verse 24 of Acts 11, it says, And much people were added unto the Lord because of this good man. That I like. He didn't leave ravages behind him and wreckage behind him, but there were many added unto the Lord because he backed up his words by his life. He had great influence. We need that in the church. 
Some say, I don't care about my reputation. I just want to be faithful. I don't care what people think. You'd better care. A good tree, remember what we learned? A good tree produces what? Good fruit. An evil tree produces evil fruit. And here is the test of a walk in the Spirit. It is whether or not the tree is producing good fruit. Barnabas did. A man of influence. You could put him in any Sunday school class and he would touch people. You could stand him on the platform to witness for his Savior and people would believe him because they saw him live the light out there every day. You could put him on the street corner with the worst of the community passing by and they would have to say, I've got to believe in this because I've seen that man. He's a good man. His influence reached from the church out into the broader sphere of the community until the Bible says much people were added unto the Lord. Are you a good person? Has anybody come to Christ because of your life, because of your goodness, because of your example? That's the walk of the Spirit. People want to follow. They want to get in line. They're marching with you because they see the effects of the gospel in your life. You pay your bills. You're faithful. You're prompt. You back up what you say with a faithful life. Much people, because of this man's walk of goodness, were added unto the Lord. We couldn't build a building big enough in Sacramento to house all the people if everybody that names this church as their church would walk in goodness. But it's so often the inconsistencies of life that cause people to fall by the wayside. They get a little bit interested. The Spirit of God deals with them, and then they start looking at people. And we can't help that. They're going to do that. We're the only Bible that they see. What kind of a Bible do they read? The Bible according to you and me. The Bible, according to Barnabas, was a good book. It was a holy book. It was a right book. It was a book of power. And people were added because he walked in goodness. Oh, that we might do it and have said of us, and many were added unto the Lord because of our lives. We walked in the Spirit, the walk of goodness. Then in Acts 11, verses 29 and 30, comes the fourth product of this man's life. He was trustworthy. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and get this, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. (laughs) If they had any doubts about Saul yet, they at least didn't have any about Barnabas. And so they sent the money that they had collected for the brethren in Judea who were in desperate straits by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. He was trustworthy. This was the kind of fellow you could put over the treasury. He could count the offerings. He could be counted on to be faithful. The great explorer David Livingston writes in one of his books, 
grandfather could give particulars of the lives of his ancestors for six generations of the family before him. And the only part of the tradition I feel proud of is this. One of these poor, hardy islanders was renowned in the district for great wisdom and prudence. And it is related that when he was on his deathbed, he called all his children around him and said, Now in my lifetime I have searched most carefully through all the traditions I could find of our family, and I never could discover that there was a dishonest man among our forefathers. If therefore any of you or any of your children should take to dishonest ways, it will not be because it runs in our blood. It does not belong to you. I leave this precept with you. Be honest. Oh, that there would be more grandfathers and great-grandfathers and fathers that would leave that precept with their children. Be honest. To every man be true. Live an honest, trustworthy life. That is the mark of goodness. Nobody doubts you. Nobody has to question you. Nobody has to wonder if you really told the truth on your income tax report. Or if you're really tithing according to your income. They know it because of the pattern of your life. You are a good person. That was the pattern of Barnabas. And that's why they put the amount of money they had collected in his hand with that man called Saul and sent them to Judea believing it would get there every pound of it. Because he was trustworthy. He was a man of goodness. Are you a good person? There's one more and it's in the 13th chapter. Oh, this is a powerful thing. He was recognized by the Holy Spirit. Acts 13, 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Recognized by the Holy Spirit. Now, friends, a religious community like ours may possess some splendid buildings, may have some wealthy members, may have all the external signs of worship and work. But let me tell you, unless it has men recognized by the Holy Spirit, it has no strength, it has no power, it has no force in this world. Barnabas was a good man. And because of his goodness, the Holy Spirit recognized him and spoke to the church and said, Church, separate unto me Barnabas and this new convert by the name of Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Hallelujah. Now, there are some young men in this Sunday congregation I want to speak to very firmly for a few moments. It is time for you to begin proving your goodness in the presence of this company. It is time for you to start walking uprightly before the congregation because in not too many days should Jesus tarry the mantle of leadership by the Holy Spirit is passed to younger men. It will not be long. Will you be recognized by the Holy Spirit as a good person?
And will the Holy Spirit say of you, separate me, this person, Peter, this person, John, this person, Mike, this person, Jim, whoever, for the work whereinto I have called them. They will take leadership. They are now recognized. They will receive the mantle of the Spirit upon them. It doesn't just happen overnight. The Holy Spirit does not just pick out of a congregation overnight people of leadership. He watches their life. He watches their walk. He keeps records of their deeds. And one day the Holy Spirit speaks to a church and says, Separate unto me this man, this man, this woman, this individual. This one has walked in goodness. They are ready for the challenge of leadership. Are you preparing yourself for that day? That's what it means to walk in goodness. When your day comes, then there's no question about the call. I have the joy of chairing for our region the Ministerial Credentials Committee. We meet periodically to interview candidates for the ministry. We question them at length. They have already put together a portfolio of material, recommendations from others. They have taken a long test. They have had so many studies that must be taken in order to qualify for ministerial credentials. But I have learned to ask some very important questions of these people. And one of them is this. I ask it every time they come before our committee. Are you a tither? It is interesting indeed that some would think they could minister to others without first practicing the principles of the word themselves. Do you know that some do not believe that a minister should tithe because the tithe is given to the church, which in part pays the minister, and so why should he tithe on what has been the tithe? Isn't that great thinking? That just amazes me, no end. And that's exactly what I'm talking about tonight. Because the Holy Spirit recognizes the walk of goodness before the Holy Spirit says, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. There has to be a walk of goodness. There has to be the marks of honesty and trustworthiness. There has to be the manifestations of the Spirit in the person's life before the recognition comes. You want to be one of those? Then walk in goodness. And the Holy Spirit will recognize that and will put you into a place where he can use you for his glory. Now, the problem with too many of us, as I see this particular fruit, is that we're too content with just getting by in our service to Christ in our service to his church and our service to our fellow man. Barnabas was such a beneficent individual 
and so receptive to this fruit of the Spirit that it raised him to heights of service before God, before the church, and before the world. This quality of goodness is waning, in my opinion, in our world today. Think back 10 to 12 years. Do you recall how seldom gutter language was used by a public speaker or on television and in movies? Do you remember how the rule on separation of boys and girls in college dormitories was taken for granted? How little you worried about being on the street late at night, how people were shocked and outraged at pornographic literature just 10 to 12 years ago? Where are we today? There is a total lack of goodness in our society. I tell you, I can hardly watch a TV program through anymore. The gutter language. You can't see it for 10 minutes without all the filth blurting out in your living room, and I just can't handle that. Oh, it's the accepted thing. If I ever wanted to see a movie, I guess it was one that was advertised just recently, and it looked so intriguing and interesting on television clips that I thought, boy, that sounds like a pure story. The Golden Pond. Until somebody saw it and told me about the language. I lost all my interest. I haven't had time anyway, so it really wouldn't have mattered. But if I could have gotten there, maybe I would have wanted to do it. But not when I heard the filth that came out of the mouth of the lead character. And I want to say to you, if you can go and enjoy that, you're not walking in goodness. And if you can go to anything else with any kind of title and sit through that and not feel something lifting you out of your seat and moving your feet out of that place, then there's something wrong. The walk of goodness is not there. I don't think we have to be a party to that at all. And I just want you to stop and think with me in closing tonight about the erosion of goodness in our world and how it maybe has affected you until you can sit by the hour and watch that TV thing and hear that junk coming forth and think that you're going to be able to survive spiritually. You've got another thing coming. It's polluting you. It's affecting you. And it won't be long until some of those same things may be flowing out of your mouth or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaking. And I am standing here tonight to call this church to a walk of goodness. I am standing here to say to you and to those who are watching us by television and listening by radio or by tape, the Holy Spirit is calling us back to holiness, to a life like Barnabas, who was a good man, who didn't put up with the standard of the world. He set a standard of his own, and the Holy Spirit said, I like it, therefore I commend unto you Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. You want to be used of God? Then embark on a life of goodness. 
I'm an optimist. I don't think we're down the drain yet. Goodness can reverse the tide if we can find enough Barnabases in the crowd. Will you volunteer? Will you step forth and say, Pastor, I'm a volunteer. I want to set a new standard. I want to turn the tide. I want Galatians 5, 22, 23, and 25 to become part of me. I want it to be said of me. The fruit of goodness was evident in his life, in his character, in his speech, in his walk, in his actions. It's this kind of a person the Holy Spirit is looking for. It's this kind of a person the church is looking for. And it's this kind of a person the world is looking for. Are you a good person? Let us bow our heads in prayer. Our Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful time together in the house of the Lord tonight and for the opportunity to look at one of these words that we use almost every day and yet maybe have never really analyzed. We're living in a day when men and women live together without going to an altar to sanctify the marriage vow. We're living in a day when promiscuity is rampant in our civilization. We're living in a day when movies are filled with trash and television belches its ugliness and its profanity into our homes by the hour. We're living in a day when the newsstands are packed with books, magazines that contain all that is of the devil and comes from the pit to destroy. But in the midst of it all, there is a word from God. Enter into a walk of goodness. If you live in the Spirit, also walk in the Spirit, which is a walk of goodness. Oh, God, baptize us with goodness. Hallelujah. Cleanse us of our impurities. Oh, God, search out our hearts. Has David cried, if there be any wicked way in me, oh God, show it, reveal it. And I do now confess it. Draw out of this fellowship of people that will walk in goodness. Hallelujah.